Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Fearon, co-author with Peter Vale of the digital book on practice as a way of being. Find it at mylibrary.world. And now to our show. Uh, this is a conversation with two very smart, caring people. Tom Casey, who is the founding partner of Discussion Partners, and Lizzie Freudman, whose company is called One More Thing, a marketing firm who does work for Tom and is a colleague. I asked them to talk about a study that Tom's firm came out with recently, where they found over 1,200, over 1,200 people sampled a lot of pessimism, anger, and even rage about the state of affairs in the world, in the country, maybe in their location, and possibly in their companies. And this is not a happy story to share, but there are some things that come out of this conversation that are rays of hope for me, particularly listening to Lizzie, who represents a much younger generation than do Tom and I. So without further ado, this is uh, a conversation about pessimism. Folks, as I sail along in life, every once in a while, I get an email from one of our guests today, Tom Casey, which is a blog, announcing a blog that features something that the, uh, what partners? Collaboration partners, Tom? Discussion partners. That's, see, I got it wrong already. And, and that's all right, because people are used to me bumbling and mumbling until we get to something good. And the good is also having uh, Lizzie Freudman with us, uh, whose company is called One More Thing. It's a marketing uh, communications and uh, influence and uh, you name it firm. Uh, and she's she's been on two of my podcasts. Uh, when I was saying about blog is that it suddenly makes my head snap back and I go, oh God. Or sometimes it's, oh great, because they, the research that Tom and his, his colleagues do, does, does, does uh, it sometimes brings good news. I remember, Tom, our last one was when you had your partners read uh, children's books. Right. <laughs> and they found uh, themes and inspiration and some clues to leadership and how it's sort of engen engendered in us as as little kids being read to by our parents or reading our own stuff. So this one, though, is different. This one is uh, about pessimism that you're finding in the research. So get us started Tom, tell us what you are concerned about yeah. here in regard to leadership, because yeah. pessimism and leadership don't always go well together. Well, David, thank you for having me back. And it's a great pleasure to join not only you, but also Lizzie, who has been a collaborator with me from the way back. Okay? And frankly, keeps me honest on three things. One, social media, which I'm clueless about. <laughs> second, is, second is she brings in the Gen Z perspective. And third is I'm a millennial. Third, a millennial. Okay. 
See, you know. That, but you're closer to them than we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, the, we'll call it the youth perspective. And, but there also the, the issue is what what are people looking to learn and how do you package it up? Okay. Yes. Uh, we were talking pre-recording uh, here about management tome books by authors on leadership or whatever topic. They're passe. They've been deferred to podcasts, blogs, uh, streaming articles, et cetera. So Lizzie helps us on that. The, the research that you're referring to, um, as you know, discussion partners is its core is, is focuses on research. And, and we have uh, the capability of a survey monkey that we use so frequently, they're looking for legal representation at this point. But <laughs> during our meetings, during our meetings within the uh, community, we talk about what we're hearing and what we're thinking. And what we began hearing late August okay, and into Labor Day was that people were either irritated or anxious in advance mm -hmm. of 2024. So we thought that that was a reasonable topic to ask uh, our participants and research participants in. And over the balance of 2023, we got over 1,200 respondents. And it, the feedback was like reminiscent of people having a conversation with the next wife and another thing and another thing, all of the things that they didn't get a chance to really say on the way out of the relationship. Oh my okay? God. They, were, they were either writing about it or they were leaving voicemails about it. And what we found was that we were surprised we was not surprised by the vehemence of this because, frankly, we're human too. We have mm -hmm. our own points of view in terms of how uh, optimistic we should or should not be, but how specific they were about the things that were causing them concern. For example, a huge irritation manifested on immigration, mm -hmm. not a position that people want to take for or against migration, okay? Most people come to the realization that they're at most a third generation immigrant themselves, you know? So what happens is reasonable people express irritation with, and this is a quote, for the love of God, would they just shut up and create a policy that would work? I'm sick yeah. of listening to the polarization. And if there's one more damn visit with somebody standing at the border saying this needs to be fixed, I'm going to move. Stops in the water. No, no, no. Norway is coming up more frequently. <laughs> Finland, Finland is a close second. Okay. Yeah. But that's I get it. that's I get it. that's irritation. That's irritation. Yeah. And the the uh anxiety is coming, frankly, because of all of the countries, including the US, that are going to be having elections this coming year or this year. Okay. I mean, you're looking at the economist, one of their features in December was uh the, the you know the uh, challenges to a global democracy if uh, uh, former President Trump is reelected. You have the Atlantic uh, dedicating a whole um, uh, yeah. magazine and their their TV show Washington Week, yeah, the same on the same topic. And the U.S. isn't alone. You're looking what happened in Poland, mm -hmm. where the right wing uh, government was just thrown out. Okay, because they went a little too far too fast in terms of extremism. But it's a huge issue. 
Okay, you see now uh, President Biden kicking off his campaign, talking about democracy in his last two speeches in the last week. And what you're finding is people are anxious. Regardless of who they're supporting, they're anxious about what the outcome is going to be. Sure. And they're also anxious about the inputs to this, the, the chaos that uh, President Trump likes to create. And frankly, there's the concern about uh, President Biden's age. I, I find that. I know, resemble this, that remark. Well, I said my That's where he and I are the same age. <laughs> my, my birthday. It's, my birthday, it's definitely birthday. there. My birthday, next birthday candle this month is going to be 74. And I find it to be ironic because everybody's con uh, complaining about uh, President Biden's age, but they're, you know, still standing in line to get tickets to the next Rolling Stones tour yeah, when two of these days are. are going to be over the <laughs> themselves. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I understand people's concern, but it, it it's just that. Yeah. What yeah. you have is this, um, um, there's a, a, a psychographic condition called epistemic anxiety. And that's yeah. what we were looking at as people. Yeah, you put that just, in the blog, epistemic. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. I, I may not even be pronouncing it correctly. You know, epistemic. I, I don't know. Uh, that's, it's, I, think, it, it, uh, I think that the, the issue here is that people are just pervasively either upset or worried. Yeah. And that that's what 1,200 people manifested to us. They were specific about it, but and, they were just worried. What I picked up on was angry. And even the word rage. Yeah, rage came up a lot. Yeah. Um, so. the, 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 the most, we, we tend to disaggregate the feedback as we get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. We were surprised by the word rage. Yeah, okay. I was, it the, when I saw it in the blog. Okay. Uh, with the three words that used to be ours when we were comparing the quotes, rage, resentment, and revulsion. Now, you don't usually hear those when you do your research. No. Yes, Liz. I, I am shocked. Please. I am shocked that you would be surprised by the word rage. Um, because what else is there? Um, <laughs> if you are anxious and unhappy and feel pressured all the time, those are sort of helpless emotions rage is an empowering emotion rage makes you do something so the mm. way out of apathy is rage um and a, and a motivation to change something so i feel a lot of all of the discontent that was expressed by your survey respondents in very similar areas. And in particular, I feel like a sense of fatigue at having to listen to people talk about the same things over and over again. And it makes me disconnect, but then I have to reconnect yeah, and do something about it. And the way that I can reconnect is rage, which makes me want to say, what can I do to change this? Because it's not an acceptable solution to me. I do not consent to this state of affairs. Um, yeah, I think that the other, my wife and I were having this conversation uh, after the Golden Globes. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, comics who have bad, you know, bad delivery, bad humor, that's one issue. But some of the people who were accepting the awards could just have said thank you. Okay. <laughs> 
versus making they had 18 seconds they can use yeah well well they would they were making (laughs) there were were a couple of people who were great there were a couple of people who said oh come on you know uh uh lizzie and i have the benefit of working with a uh woman um we're collaborating her name is wendy lewis and Wendy is the former director of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion for McDonald's. And prior to that was Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And she and I were at a uh, scheduled call after the Oscars where Will Smith mm-hmm. oh, yeah. slapped Chris Rock. This is on global TV at an award ceremony. Now, Wendy's comments to me. And she's a woman of color and very smart and very sophisticated, as Lizzie can attest to. Her comment was she thanked God that they were both black. Yeah. I had the same thought, and I'm not I, black. <laughs> I, I, I had the same thought, but I was would have been a little bit reluctant to specify that. Yeah. Because look at look at what we were just witnessed with the um uh speeches yesterday in South Carolina at that church. Yeah. Okay. Where a white man went in with a gun and shot the parishioners, mm-hmm. and both, pre- you know, uh, President Obama there, uh, showing that he knows how to sing, and President Biden there talking about white supremacy uh, as is becoming is starting to reemerge. Okay. It has it and ever those, gone away? No, I don't think so. And I frankly think that the situation in Gaza is, you know, tipping the iceberg back into anti-Semitism and anti-Islamic. Uh, but what, what's happening is, and this is this goes back to Lizzie, your astute comment on rage, is we need to get upset with this stuff or it's only going to get worse. Yes. Is, that that, your, that, is that your point, Lizzie? Because I, I saw a yes. reaction there. Yes, yes. And I... I is it chiming in for the millennials here we we you know president biden's age i'm not really qualified to judge whether he's got you know cognitive decline or whatever but what i do see is that he is the only person really that comes to mind as having enough status in the democratic party to get that nomination which shows to me the failure of the party to invest in younger upcoming yeah. leadership for decades. Succession. I think that's Tom's business too. (laughs) My generation feels smothered by the fact that we have only so much upward mobility because all of the major management positions have and continue to be held by boomers and some Gen Xers. And, and like, so we are just biding our time really and that's why so many folks can't afford to buy houses and all these other things. Um, so for those of y'all who have sort of kept the reins of power for as long as you have, um, why aren't you angrier? Why aren't you like standing there and saying, no, thank you. Do not say this on behalf of, of me. Um, like, we don't consent to this kind of climate. We don't want American engagement in foreign wars that may or may not benefit American people and certainly don't benefit citizens around the world. We we want um, a 
a country that stands for justice. We don't want a criminal being elected into the highest office in the land. Like, how did we get here? Um, Yeah. And the answer is a lot of people got pessimistic and shrugged their shoulders. And so you can't opt out. I think Tom is not yeah. going to shrug his shoulders, though, Tom. Yeah, I think listen, you're right. You're really you're onto right. something. You're really onto something. Uh, the, 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 the lack of proactivity and the lack mm-hmm. of rage and the lack of involvement okay, is is becoming universal. And I don't think that's necessarily driven by Gen Z, millennials, boomers, and uh, the older boomers. Okay, you know what's what's happening is disrespect is becoming the norm. Okay, and that infuriates me when david and i were talking about the children's books this was yeah. back yeah uh and i used the example of then president with by the way this conversation david you're going to lose all of your MAGA listeners by the time I, the that's three okay. of us are done. you know I, you're going I to am, lose I'm, bo- I'm, I'm not going to lose, regret that yeah david you're going to lose both of them but the, the reality <laughs> but the reality is we were talking about president Trump, former President Trump, was giving the speech criminal Trump. where he was uh, actually ridiculing, okay, the assault on Nancy Pelosi's husband in California. Yeah, at the Republican convention, it just it just happened that previous weekend, and people laughed. I yep. thought that was obscene. Yep. I thought that was obscene, as obscene as the same dude talking about President Biden's speech. And pretending to stutter. Yeah. Have we devolved into that point? Picking on where where you know, I mean, this the survey results that we got are a manifestation of how people are feeling because disrespect, rudeness, just friggin' stupidity yeah. is becoming normative behavior. And there's all kinds of problems out there that need to be addressed by reasonable people who just suck it up. Don't think about their expediency and want to work the problem. Again, a recent example that we put into the research was this young governor of Pennsylvania, when that uh, bottom fell out of the uh, um, I-95, oh. and all of the all of the experts were talking. This is going to take months to put back in, and he essentially said, "I don't have months, man." Okay, so he assembled, working with the feds, working with Secretary Budovich working with the agencies, working with the uh, uh, legislator, working with the experts, they were back up and running in 12 days. I, I think okay. that's what Lizzie was talking about. When when younger people see something like what you just cited, Tom, I think it gives them a sliver of hope, don't you, Lizzie, that, hey, well, they can get stuff done. Well, no, it's not they, it's we. Um, they have chosen not to get stuff done because that is how the business of life has been for whatever reasons. Exactly. And um, let's just go around them is really what I feel. Um, And um, so there are two, two things that I wanted to share as I was sort of preparing for this. One is a quote that comes up over and over again for me in my life that I think about at various stages, and it always means something a little bit different, but it's the Zora Neale Hurston quote, if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Um, And I feel 
like that is a really great picture of this moment. And we don't want to be misattributed when we are no longer here to say, actually, no, I was not okay with that. So now is the moment to say, no, I'm not going to let you take several months to rebuild my highway. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to find another way around it because. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll edit this oh. part. Yeah. Okay. She's got a really Am good. Am I back? You're, You're back. back. I'm back. Um, You're back. Sorry. I don't know what the last thing you heard was. Well, you were, you quoted uh, that very chilling quote and talked about how people are going to not wait any longer and work around it. My hunch is that there are a lot of very angry people in Philly <laughs> and that governor <laughs> was not going to be, be going to work and then <laughs> without a hundred people yelling at him if he didn't get that thing fixed. Yeah. Or anywhere else. They weren't going to let had, that happen. And he had just been, I'm sorry to interrupt you, David. He had just been elected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't have his, his act together. Yeah. I, I want to ask a question for both of you because both of you in your own way are, are like I very interested in getting things done and who does it and how we can support those people who do get things done uh, through messaging and your point and, and positioning and other things, Lizzie, but with Tom really one-on-one -on -one kinds of uh, coaching and, and uh in urging and can in essentially convincing sometimes that they can go ahead and get things done i on my hand i remember something that peter vale said many times in in our book and in the podcast which is if you want to know where leadership happens look for a change it's either ahead of the change but one of the first as we are now with this study who are recognizing these these things and have to do something or during or after because after the change the leader is the one who's leading the learning okay guys what do we learn in on i-95 now that we can apply to other situ situations so we we have no question uh, a movement toward global pessimism about who can lead us to get things changed we have not lost our interest in things being changed. So what can we do to help the people who are mustering the spot to push for, to get things done? Well, I mean, the really obvious answer is give them money. Um, that is, that is always the, yeah, the roadblock, um, in some way or another, but, uh, I think part of it is, and, and this this conversation comes at an interesting time where I've been thinking about how I spent my time in 2023 and how I'm going to spend it in 2024 and, and looking at Tom's list as like, all of these things are true and I cannot fix them all, but I can fix some of the things in some of the places for some of the people. And so narrowing down where I'm going to focus my energy and sort of setting an internal goal for, for what that looks like and finding partners in that project and finding some money and figuring out a way to, to build a coalition. And, and specifically, I, 
in Louisiana, we've just elected and sworn in this real dirtbag Trumpian uh, governor. Um, and he's he's openly stated he's coming after New Orleans because we're like a crime capital. He's going to send in straight troopers and then, and then, and then. And so that means like on a very local level, like in people in my neighborhood are going to need more help than they did before. That's right. That's something I can perhaps have an impact on. That's where I'm going to put my energy this year, I think. Well, that's your personal answer, but also a generic answer to people yeah. who are. But pick something yeah. among all the issues because there's so damn many. You can't and and, man, and put 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 together uh, with others uh, something yes. that will make a change. Tom, what do you think of that? I I I I, I like the logic and let me extend it. You know, I think that part of the, the thing, and, and this is me and my dotage collaborating with Lizzie as a millennial, okay? And periodically, she and I will have these conversations about, we just need to dust off the playbook, okay? <laughs> and, and, you know, not think we have to start all over again with a blank sheet of paper. And the playbook for making change is very straightforward. You pick your target of opportunity. You learn as much as you can about it. You don't get distracted by the polarization and you get in the game. Yeah. So that to me is the playbook. That's, that's where, you know, I was standing with his logic to, uh, to, to a, a tactical, um, the, the problem that we have, I think is threefold and please feel free to push back on this. One is we've just gotten numb. Yes. Okay. Going going back to two thousand and eight, with yeah. the global financial crisis, uh, you know, uh, uh, to the point where we're exhausted. Okay, between yeah. the global financial crisis, COVID, yeah. the chaos chaos of the elections, the, the invasions of your neighboring countries, the terrorism that's uh, mm-hmm. that's focusing school shooting, and and the dev- devolution. Rules. And not challenging things like white supremacy, racism, uh, um, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim activities. I think that you know we've just got numb. We've got to get unnumb. Yes. And we got to get unnumb real fast. I agree with and, that. I, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. No, I, and, and just just to, to finish the thing, when we were reading the results, when we were senators and I were reading the results. You know, we would have a conversation is, well, that's interesting. Now what? There you go. You know, and, you know, we were having the conversation. Well, maybe this is our wake up call, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. To interrupt you. No, I just so I mean, there's some interesting science on the amount of information our brains can take in per day and how much more information we're getting than we can process in a meaningful manner just through social media, the like television media, walking down the street, the number of people we see every day. It's so much information. I think that we need to um, be intentional about what kind of content we consume and who we allow into our, into our bubbles. Now, I want to be really careful about what I say because I don't want to like, I don't want it to seem like I'm saying only allow people who agree with you because that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, like, we need a diverse opinion, like diverse backgrounds, diverse expertise. But, but 
like we need to be selective about the credentials that those people bring to the table and how much time a day we spend giving to like armchair experts on YouTube and ask whether they're contributing something real or just their opinion and how much of their opinion we need in our lives. Yeah, Tom, go ahead. Yeah, I think there's a, a an article, there's a former professor at the Naval War College, also taught at Harvard, a gentleman named Tom Nichols, who writes for the Atlantic right now. And he wrote a book that I read during uh, COVID called The Death of Expertise. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and, I didn't read it, but I heard about it. Yeah. And, you know, the, my takeaway from reading this book and, and is that we are overwhelmed with input from people who do not deserve our time. <laughs> okay. I call that's it. A, the that's a quote right there. Yeah. I, I, the, the, the thing is, you know, and the redundancy of the stupidity and the lack of thought that they provide as input into this narrative. And frankly, their lack of credentials to have a platform to even open their mouths. Or God forbid, I don't know if they know how to write. I get a little sick of. But unfortunately, we're subsumed with this iPhone. No, yes. Nobody that I've, nobody I've ever gone near an elevator with doesn't have their phone up first. Yes. Or, or at a dinner table, for that matter. Yeah. There's a there's a New York Times article. I can't remember the author, but it just came out as some woman threw away her iPhone in favor of the flip phone yeah. for the purpose of phones for talking. Okay, and she started talking about how she can sleep at night. Okay, because she's not waking up, checking the latest news, and then working on her Christmas list. Now, she also can't validate when she needs to get a password. <laughs> but you know we've we've come to rely on the phones for other things. But these phones are uh, dangerous because yeah, of are. the amount of information that is there and the the irrelevant information that we're asked to consume. I think, Lizzie, that's sort of the the delivery system that yeah, Tom's I put agree. his finger on that makes us feel overwhelmed and gives us little too many choices to choose the wrong. The wrong inputs. Yeah. I agree. So if we're looking for solutions for how we overcome pessimism, one of my yes. pieces of advice would be be really selective of what you put inside your brain because that's going to either make you feel inundated and like you're drowning in things that you can't possibly change, or it may help you learn new tools for creating change, um, understanding what you need to feel okay so that you have the energy to do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, Tom? Yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, it, it, I don't know when I began hearing this from a, the doctor, but the words diet and exercise seem to be normative every time I, you know, <laughs> building, building, having my insurance. And this goes back to what I'm talking about, dusting off the playbook. I don't think that this isn't really I just think we need to get back to it in terms of knowing what the right things to do and just doing. Because I think that what's happened is the numbness is set in. The numbness is dangerous. People are taking advantage of it. Okay. 
I saw an interesting uh, statistic on the news last night. President Trump, his fundraising increase every time he showed up in the court. That's why he's doing he, it today. He's in court today. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to be there. Okay. And I'm very curious as to see if that phenomenon will increase that he goes. And he's in court today to listen to the defense of his attorneys as to whether or not a president of the United States could be held accountable. And immune. Yeah. Okay. And I don't see how that can go for him, but I would hate to think he shows up in court to defend something that is an obscenity to me and it's only going to get him an increase in fund. Yeah. That 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 to me is an encapsulation of the situation that we're in right now. And that's why I think it's dangerous. This is where the dumbness is. We don't even think along those lines anymore. This is just the 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 environment in which we are um, uh, tolerated or go crazy. I'm sorry. Insult no, to injury. Go ahead. What I struggle with is like, where do I find the compassion for people who see this man show up to court who does not care about them at all, at all, and are like, let me empty my pockets for you, my hero, because that is not rational thought. That is somebody who's who has been the victim of coercive control or some sort of like brain hijacking similar to what you see in cults. And there are some really interesting cult experts who will talk about the way that um, like the community of Trump reflects the cults. Um, so, but, but like you can't free them from this without compassion. And so I don't know, like I am, I am a pro rage kind of person as we've covered already, like rage is an mm -hmm. activating thing, but compassion is also important. How do we free people from the tyranny of, of a life where they are writing checks to a felon because they think he is so spectacularly perfect in every way? I want to throw one other uh, point out David, there. David, uh, before, before you do, I'm getting more pessimistic, given this is the topic of this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, we're bringing Tom down here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, not really. I think this is a very hopeful conversation. I, I did renew my Xanax prescription this morning, <laughs> so we're in good shape. Yeah. Go ahead. What, Go ahead. what I wanted to say is, since uh, in several of the podcasts, that I've had with Tom and some of his other partners. And, and beyond that, uh, it comes back to the question of people working in organizations and those who lead them. Now, the people we've talked about, including the ones you just mentioned, Lizzie, I assume one way or another are employed and they're bringing their attitudes, they're bringing sometimes their rage to work if they're actually physically together, and sometimes they can do it virtually. This is a workforce change as well as a societal shift. And if I were a senior manager uh, overseeing a group of people, I would be very concerned about reading Tom's, your, your uh, partner's blog and going, oh my Lord, uh, how can we not have people who are buying the 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 you know the, the myth 
in our employ so we can have people who think and want to change and follow me and don't look at me as the as the bad person here so i threw out this huge question and i'm telling you we don't have much time i'm going to give lizzie the first shot at it okay so i i'm a marketing person i really am fascinated by cognitive behavior one of the things that is really interesting to me that i've sort of done a an intellectual um hobbyist dilettante deep dive into the past couple of years is um cult mind control and let me get back to and i I promise this is going to come around one of the leading cult experts is a man named dr stephen hassan and he wrote a book on the cult of trump i prefer referring to cult as high demand groups in the sense that they require so much of the members who are in those groups. They have to be isolated from their families a lot of times. They have to give money away a lot of times. So much of who they are gets sacrificed to this group identity. Um, and uh, Dr. Hassan was is, is a great um, a great scholar because he was in a cult for a time. He was in the Moonies. And um, he's come up with a, a model of what does it mean? And so he's a really interesting person to look to if you're interested in understanding how somebody's brain can get co-opted by a fraud like Trump and they can end up writing these checks to people and what it will take to help them regain their um, ability to think critically and to analyze their own, like find themselves in outside of the group identity. So Mm -hmm. I would recommend him as a, as a scholar um, and as an expert in this particular area, maybe it will help organizational leaders create a more harmonious and safe place for people. Because as I was like the compassion to help somebody leave a high demand group, whether it's like a, a, a weird religious fringe de- denomination, or if it's the cult of Trump, you need to give them space to be free from it and welcome them back. And so that is something I struggle with balancing my rage and my compassion to give people space to recover what I was say and like learn how to act in their own best interest Mm -hmm. through the application of critical thought. Um, So that is what I was going to say in response to that. And now it is Tom's turn. Tom. Yeah, I think that... Because it was a study that we just did, let me compare a study that had just preceded it. We had done a study in August of our C-suite population. And what do you, what are the things that you're preoccupied by as we enter the next commercial year? AI was on that list. Yeah. Okay. It was, it went from zero to, you know, most favorably, most frequently mentioned. Okay, so we publish those results. Then we turn around and we do a study about what are you worried about in mass population for 2024. AI was never mentioned. Isn't that something? Okay, so what what happens is, and I want to revert this back to your question about leadership. Uh, Leaders, whether they be in the commercial space or the NGO space, et cetera, they're worried about growth and sustainability. Sure. Okay, their behaviors have to be modified based on the uh, uh, the temperament of the associates that they're dealing with. David, you and I have talked about uh, decades of research on leadership 
words like empathy, transparency, and accountability were 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 mentioned, but they weren't mentioned as having to have. No, as part that's of the leadership. That's the leadership new deal, model. as you brought it out. Yeah, right. So when I'm thinking about the, the the where we are, I'm actually am more optimistic than pessimistic. Okay, because I do think that. Shame on us if we don't use the next year to fix some of these problems. There you go. Okay, that's that's where I can come out. Shame on us. Shame on me for just talking about it, writing about it, versus showing up at meetings. You know, writing some checks. You know, and all of this. You know, shame on me. And you can I can still that write that, a check. I think that. Yeah. That I, mean. <laughs> yeah. I did it well. You know, basically, that's why I try to stay away from my phone. I think I'm gonna get a flip phone just just to stay away from that. But yeah. the, the thing the thing that, that that I'm optimistic about is if we're really serious about some of these problems. You know, there's the political races, but there's also the environmental issues. There's the concern sure. about sure. there's the concern about. Uh, 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 the principles that are that are being debated as it relates to the invasion of Israel and the response of the Israeli government to that. Okay, and you know the the thing that I keep coming back to is shame on us if we don't take a position and then do something with our own principles and belief system. If we just sit there in our barca lounges looking at the news, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC, shame on us. Yep. Lizzie, I'm going to give you last word because I'd love to want to add another hour to this, but my listeners probably are looking for their, uh, either, yeah. hopefully our listeners, if whoever they may be, are agreeing with this last point. 2024 is now the time to get some yes. things done. It, it yeah. is now the time. And I mean, I don't know if this is the right last word here, but it's my last word, which is you can actually do something um, every single day to make it better. And you just need to um, figure out where your lane is and build that into your life. And um, maybe it is writing a check, but maybe it is also um, narrowing your focus to something that can make a difference in the world that you touch. Don't let the vastness of the problems make everything feel unsolvable. My last word to that is amen. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Tom Casey and Lizzie Freudman, friends. And uh, I'm honored to have this conversation with you because, damn it, now I've got to something in 24 as well you, know, you I'm, do I'm on, I'm on the hook and I'm you sure are <laughs> so thank you again thank you for listening to the practice podcast conversations probing the nature of practice if you'd like to hear more go to automatic spotify apple podcast or YouTube. And please consider purchasing our book on practice as a way of being at mylibrary.world. It's a digital book with lots of features that you do not see in a conventional book. So once again, thank you and I look forward to you listening again. Oh, and one more thing. 
please check out our webpage at inactionresearch.info.